The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. How's it going, everyone? Today, we got Daniel Weisfield, who is an expert in mobile home park investing. But uh, Daniel, could uh, you introduce yourself and uh, tell us where you're tuning in from? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Weisfield. I'm in Los Altos, California. I am a mobile home park entrepreneur, and I am the co-founder of Three Pillar Communities. We're a top 50 owner of mobile home parks in the U.S., operating close to 50 communities in eight states. Awesome. And uh, you've been, or your family's been doing it for a while, if, I, if not, I'm not mistaken? That's right. I see you read my bio, Ben. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually a third-generation mobile home park investor, believe it or not. Um, my family immigrated to the U.S. My mother was born on a chicken farm in Israel. Um, and my grandfather was also born on a chicken farm in Israel. Um, they came to the U.S. with nothing. And my grandfather worked as a car mechanic, actually fixing wrecked cars in his backyard to make money. And eventually he made enough money fixing cars to open a garage, a body shop. And eventually saved enough money from the body shop to buy a mobile home park. That was around 40 years ago. Uh, see, I grew up around as a kid. I'd go help my grandfather mow the lawn, paint the fence, dig ditches. You know, fixed pipes, um, and I got a real love for this business. Sweet. Well, it sounds like we started hitting on it, but I love to ask every uh, guest, what's your first milestone in real estate? My first milestone? Um, I would say the first deal I did, and that was a duplex that my wife and I bought in 2011. Uh, we put in our whole life savings to buy this little duplex and we lived in one of the units and we renovated it and I got it rezoned and I got a third unit approved. And, you know, we stayed up till three in the morning, like, you know, painting and drywalling and sanding and doing all the work ourselves. Um, and that deal was a total home run and actually provided a lot of cash flow for me and my wife for like, you know, a decade afterwards um, to support our lifestyle. Um, I finally sold it. I've now kind of, I've graduated to bigger deals and I was kind of like, you know, I'm running this multi hundred million dollar mobile home portfolio. I don't think I should still be managing the little, you know, $300,000 triplex. So I finally sold it a couple of years ago, but that deal taught me a ton, right? Taught me how to be a landlord and an investor. Yeah. yeah and uh, is that, I guess it's probably pretty different than how mobile home parks would work in terms of, you know, being a, a property manager, but um. You know, I guess, are you, you know, I guess let's jump into it. Are you, um, or could you tell us a little bit about mobile home parks and, uh, you know, just give us the, the high level um, understanding? Because I know a lot of people who are listening might, you know, have gotten familiar with, with um, multifamily and uh, maybe some other niches. But uh, 
I think mobile home parks is one of the coolest niches in uh, alternative investing. So I'd, I'd love to, to hear your perspective. Well, I don't know what planet you come from, but I think you're the first person to tell me mobile home parks are cool. So thank you for using <laughs> the word cool and mobile home parks in the same sentence. That's what I'm trying to do all the time is change the perception of this asset class and show people that manufactured housing is super cool. It's so we provide such a valuable service at such a great price point, right? It kind of like uh, blows your mind when you think about how effective it is to build a house in a factory. So anyway, so high level introduction to the asset class, Mobile Home Parks 101. So let me explain. The basic business model is we own the land, the tenant owns the home. They pay us lot rent every month in order to have the right to use a piece of land that we own. Um, the, the homes are called mobile homes, but in practice, they are not that mobile. They're built in a factory. They're trucked to a park and then they're installed on a semi-permanent foundation. Um, so it takes a lot of time and effort and work to install one of these homes. And 95% of the time, once it's installed, it never moves again. Um, so they behave like real estate, right? Once these homes are installed, they behave like real estate. If our tenant decides to move, they sell their home on the open market to a new resident who, move, who gets approved for the park and moves in. These homes tend to appreciate over time. So they're a real form of wealth creation for our residents. And for us as the park owner, um, we have a very stable revenue stream because our residents are homeowners. They've got skin in the game. They like staying in the community. Um, our average residency is more than eight years. And we provide housing at a deeply affordable price point. In most markets, we're anywhere between $500 and $800 per month for lot rent, um, which is a fraction of what it would cost to rent an apartment. So our tenants are happy, bought in, um, they're homeowners, and we provide something that's really valuable at an affordable price point. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, I use the word cool because what I think of as cool is cool wealth building abilities and, um, you know, cool alignments of interest in, in a real estate perspective. But um, I just like the idea that the person is owning a home and therefore treat it as it's as their as if it's their property. So it's kind of the stigma of, you know, trashy tenants who want to, you know, wreak havoc. It's like, no, these people are actually owning their homes more than any other asset class there there is where you're that's, that's exactly that. right. There is so much stigma around mobile home parks. Right. We are the most stigmatized form of real estate that exists in the US. And the media plays it up. And so people hear mobile home parks and they think trailer park boys, pit bulls, meth labs. There are all sorts of negative impressions about mobile home parks. And in reality, we are serving residents from all walks of life and a lot of different demographics in society. So we have some parks that are um, almost 100% Spanish speaking communities. Um, we have other parks um, that are designated for adults age 55 and up. So the, the typical tenant there is someone who has sold their single family home, wants to downsize kind of empty nesters and they wanna go live in a community with like-minded folks. Um, we have communities that are what I would call gray collar. So somewhere in between white collar and blue collar, we've got nurses and teachers and cops and firefighters who, you know, maybe they can't afford a million dollar plus single family home in that location. So we provide a great alternative 
you know, at a price between a hundred thousand and three hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, we serve people from all walks of life, um, and it's really not what you think of when you think of an old trailer park. Yeah, when I first heard about mobile home parks as a real estate investment, my impression went from trailer park boys to like old age community with people driving golf carts all around and hanging out and, and uh, doing never like to do. And, and it's a, uh, yeah, I definitely, definitely changed a lot, but um, yeah, I mean, I want to kind of start hearing about mobile home parks from the more of the, the real estate perspective and kind of want to hear like, you know, from a investment perspective, what's, what's so attractive about mobile home parks. Sure. So I think, so first of all, let me say, our company has a two-part mission. And we started it that way from the beginning. So number one, we have a mission to deliver safe, reliable housing to our residents. Number two, it's safe, reliable returns to our investors. And we want to do both those things. So it's always that push and a pull. We want to do right by our residents and do right by our investors, right? And we need to succeed at both in order to feel good about what we do. Um, so that first part of that mission is about, you know, delivering real value to our residents, paving roads, bringing in new homes, putting up new streetlights, enforcing community rules and regulations, resident programs, giveaways, pool parties, stuff for kids. You know what I mean? Like there's all that stuff to keep our residents happy. Once we've done that, then we think about the financial side for our investors, which is what you're asking about. Um, and so there are a few reasons why we love investing in mobile home parks and why I think these mobile home parks are one of the single best investments you can make in order to get stable cash flow and build long-term wealth. Okay. Um, number one, our tenants stay for a long time because they have skin in the game. They're homeowners. Um, and so when there are shocks in the economy, um, and apartment renters might tend to, you know, move out. Our tenants tend to stay. And that's also because um, our rents are pretty affordable. So we have very stable residents, which makes our assets recession resistant. Number two, we have fairly low operating expenses because our tenants own their own home. So unlike an apartment owner, we're not changing the light bulb when the light bulb goes out and we're not plunging the toilet when the toilet plugs up, right? That is all inside our tenants' homes. That is their responsibility because it's their home. And we are responsible for the exterior of the community, the common areas and the infrastructure. Um, number three, there are huge tax advantages to investing in mobile home parks. I can go into more detail about this if you'd like, but at a very high level, Mobile, mobile home parks get a lot of bonus depreciation. The reason for that is when we buy a mobile home park, we're not buying buildings, right? We own the land, our tenants own their own homes. They own the buildings. So when we buy a park, we're just buying land and infrastructure. And that infrastructure can all be depreciated in the first year that you buy a deal. So we're typically generating very large tax losses that we pass through to our investors and that helps them reduce their income tax bill. So those are a few of the reasons why financially I think mobile home parks are a great bet. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize the the tax perspective because I was thinking that you're acquiring mostly land and land doesn't depreciate, but I guess the equipment depreciates at much faster schedule than you, let's say like 
it's not 25 and a half years or, or that that's exactly right so i mean just to get into those numbers a little bit what you're asking about let's say we spend 10 million dollars to buy a mobile park well we hire a third-party firm um to do something what's called a cost segregation analysis yeah and we then that cost a couple of weeks ago okay so you've learned a little bit about it so the, in the cost segregation they say okay what did you buy in that 10 million dollar park they might do an analysis and say well the land is worth two million dollars so what else, where, what's the remaining $8 million? What do we allocate it to? The remaining $8 million is allocated to land improvements. The asphalt, the signage, the plumbing, the electrical services. And those land improvements can all be bonus depreciated in year one. So it's not on a 29-year schedule, it's on a one-year schedule. Yeah, that's really awesome. So from, a, from an investment perspective, the thing that attracted me to mobile home parks first was that um, the, the recession resistant aspect of it, where um, it is one of the cheaper options for housing. And therefore, in a recession, when, you know, maybe occupancy might like hurt some multi like certain multifamily complexes, it might actually benefit um, a mobile home park. Um, could you kind of speak on that and say like, does in a recession, do you expect rents to change or occupancy to change in any specific way? It's a great question. So the basic answer is, I expect our parks to stay full. Currently we're full, almost all of our parks are full with the waiting list. Um, if we're not 100% occupied, it's because we're waiting to get new homes from a manufacturer and the manufacturers are backlogged. But once we have the home installed on the lot, we'll stay full with a wait list. That's kind of how, and that's just supply and demand. There is such deep demand for housing at this price point of $500 to $800 per month and just very little supply, right? So we tend to stay full with a wait list. And even if there's a shock in the economy and, you know, let's say we go back to what happened in 08, 09, where, you know, a lot of businesses shut down, a lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of people lost their houses, they were underwater on subprime mortgages. Um, in that kind of scenario, we'll stay full, right? Yeah. The, our existing tenants generally want to stay. And if they do leave and we have vacancies, there'll be people who are trading down from apartments or trading down from single family that they can't afford. And we provide the highest value option in the market. Awesome. So just kind of to play the reverse card of that, what if the economy is doing exceptionally well? Would people have yes. less demand for mobile home parks? Great question. So I say mobile home parks are not counter cyclical they are acyclical that's a good one yeah. yeah right so counter cyclical would mean we do well in recessions we do poorly in a strong economy but actually we just do well whether the economy is up or down we're kind of we our, our parks always tend to stay full um in an up economy we often see um our residents investing to upgrade their homes whether that's upgrading and renovating an older manufactured home or pulling off the old manufactured home and bringing in a brand new manufactured home, which we help them do through our dealership. Um, and, you know, we see those sorts of investments uh, when the economy is strong. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's awesome. I haven't heard about that before. That's uh, it's really pretty cool. And um, the other advantage you mentioned was um, the low op uh, operating expense. And so from when I, when I hear low operating expense, I hear inflation 
rents rising and costs rising, and let's say if they rise in conjunction, the percentage of um, that the expense makes up would actually be is is less. So when you have them both rising in conjunction, you'd actually be having a, a wider spread, like a, of between you know revenue and and expense. Um, so I guess like what's the typical expense ratio, and like what are your expenses, and then how are those, and then what's your revenue also? Mm-hmm. So our parks typically operate anywhere between a 30% to 50% expense ratio. 40% is pretty typical. Um, the biggest drivers of kind of variance in expense are size of the park. Big parks have more economies of scale, uh, whereas smaller parks tend to be more expensive to run. Um, and utilities. If it's on a private well and a private septic system, it's really cheap to operate. You've got risk that it fails and you own it, you've got to deal with it, um, but it's cheap, right? You're just paying for electricity to pump some water out of the ground. Whereas if you're on city water and city sewer, you're paying a lot of money for those utilities. Um, so our biggest single expense items are property tax, insurance and utilities and labor. Um, and on the revenue side, um, you know, Rents really vary market by market. And we don't have any single formula for rent increases. It depends on the park. It depends on what's going on in the economy. It depends on the demographic. It depends on a lot of different factors. Um, but yeah, generally, we are setting rents so that we're able to, you know, be somewhere around that 40% expense ratio, roughly, is that we can, you know, generate a fair return on investment for our investors. You know, the, we, uh, we operate a, you know, a $300 million plus portfolio. Um, and that money is not Daniel, right? I definitely, I, I, I'm not a guy who has $300 million sitting around. Um, we've got a lot of investors who invest in our deal in order to get a fair return on their investment. Um, and so we are giving them a market rate of return while also providing an affordable product. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. Um, I guess when... A just theoretically, if a tenant is not paying their rent, what what mm-hmm. happens? Good question. Um, so first of all, we go talk to them. Hey, Johnny, it's the third of the month. I see you haven't paid your rent yet. What's going on? And we have a conversation because we want to one of our core values is uh treat everybody with respect and treat people the way we would want to be treated. So let's go have a conversation. What's going on? And, uh, you know, if there's something going on with, maybe Johnny forgot to pay rent, or maybe there was an issue with the check not going through, you know, that kind of stuff. So we give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, we'll have a few more conversations like that. Uh, we actually have really um, trained our community managers to go talk to tenants every day. If they're behind on rent, you know, don't wait until the 20th of the month and send a legal notice, have a conversation. These are human beings. So, you know, go, we'll go knock on the door. We'll call, we'll go ask, Hey, what's going on. Um, and eventually if, a, uh, if after a number of conversations, the tenant is not able to pay their rent, then we exercise our legal rights under state law. Um, to, and we serve a, a notice to pay rent or quit, which means, Hey, tenant, you signed a lease agreement agreeing to pay rent um, or to quit the premises. You haven't held up your end of the bargain yet. 
So we need to pay rent or leave the premises. Um, and so, you know, typically after receiving that notice, they will pay rent. Um, occasionally, if they don't, um, you know, it, it starts starts the timer ticking on an eviction process. And that's something that um, is not a fun part of our business. I take no pleasure in, you know, removing residents who can't afford to live in our communities. That doesn't feel good. Um, but typically what's going on is folks who can't afford to live in our communities typically can get help. Typically, if they can't afford it, we offer subsidy programs directly. We connect them with all sorts of resources in the community, whether it's Section 8 or other resources. So typically, if folks can't afford it, they can find the right help. And typically, the folks who actually need to be evicted through a legal process is not because of rent payment issues. It's because they're selling drugs in the community or harassing their neighbors or doing other things that are not living up to our community standards. And those are almost all, those account for almost all of the tenants we actually have to evict. So do you like kind of foreclose on the house or do they have an option to sell the house? Oh, residents have an option to sell their own. This is, this is a big misconception. Like you, there's a lot of media out there um, that puts mobile home park owners in a negative light and makes it look like if a resident doesn't pay their rent, then we can just seize the home and put the resident out on the street. And that's really not how it works. Um, in every state where we operate, the resident has the option to sell their home. Typically, they'll have at least 60 days to do that. It's plenty of time for them to advertise the home, find a buyer to pay them fair market value. And we will you know, run a background check on that buyer. And if that buyer meets our community standards, then we will approve them. And the tenant who is no longer in our community has a chance to sell their home at fair market value. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's really cool. Uh, that's uh, the one part that I didn't really know too much about. So that was, that's really helpful. Um, so could you walk us through your typical business plan for when you acquire uh, a mobile home park? Yeah, I don't know if there is a typical business plan. Right. Every mobile home park is a special snowflake <laughs> uh, and has its own uh, attributes and um, opportunities and risks and special wrinkles. I mean, I'll just give you a little flavor to make it real. Like we just closed on a park in Greeley, Colorado about three weeks ago, 180 units uh, owned by a gentleman named Marlon. Marlon is in his eighties. He's owned this thing for 50 years. He basically built it. He reminds me of my grandfather. He's a very hands-on guy. He's like, oh, we need to trim the trees or I'm gonna go buy a bucket truck. And I'm going to go buy a chainsaw and I'm going to go figure out how to trim these trees myself. He's a very hands-on guy. So on Marlon's deal, um, we had to do a lot of work to understand the infrastructure because he was basically building septic tanks himself and repairing them himself. And it wasn't necessarily up to code. So we had to do a lot of effort to understand what was going on on the ground um, as part of our due diligence process. And then once we closed, the business plan is all about optimizing revenue and expense because Marlin and his kids were running like the rent roll basically with like some chalk and a chalkboard in the office. Yeah. Um, and they weren't advertising anywhere. And so there's a lot of opportunity there to just do low hanging fruit, like post ads in online places where people look for housing and charge fair market rents 
and run background checks on tenants and collect rents online um, and implement professional management and enforce community rules and standards and pave the roads. I mean, that's just an example of one deal. Um, and we have other deals with, you know, maybe the other end of the spectrum. Um, we bought Emerald Coast Estates about two years ago in Brookings, Oregon. It's on the Oregon coast and it is a gorgeous A-plus community. Ocean views, saltwater pool, koi pond, uh, and it looks like a beautiful subdivision. Wide asphalt roads that are, you can eat off those roads. Uh, beautiful concrete sidewalks. Every home is what's called a double wide manufactured home uh, with a you know, site built garage and manicured lawns. And you know, that's a community where manufactured homes sell for more than $300,000 for mobile home, no land, right? Which is very rare. And so when you buy a beautiful park like that, um, it's not a heavy value add business plan, right? We don't need to rip up the roads and replace infrastructure and bring in new homes. It's more about how do we create more value for residents through experiences and programming and, you know, pickleball and exercise classes. You know, that, that's the value add plan in that case. Um, so it just depends on the deal. It really depends on the deal. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know that uh, mobile home parks have somewhat of a, limited supply like there's not many more being created because of some part of the political environment or something like that i was wondering if you could kind of uh tell us a little bit about that kind of like walk through the story of mobile home parks as a as a phenomenon yeah. since the since the foundation yeah well you i, I love your questions they're very well thought it. out um, so basically mobile home parks grew up in the 40s and 50s and 60s to house America's population boom, right? We needed cheap housing as America grew quickly. So a lot of these parks were built in that era. And then you still saw some park construction in the 70s and 80s, a little bit less. And then basically since the 80s, there's been almost new, almost no new parks built. And the reason for that is what I said before, this is the most stigmatized form of housing that exists. And if you go to a city and say, hey, we want to build a new mobile home park, there are a lot of people who are, who are just going to hear trailer park and think of all the negative stereotypes, and they're just going to say no. Um, so for that reason, most park investors have not tried to develop any new parks for the past few decades. They just expected they'd get shot down. That's changing now. It's finally changing. Um, right now, there is so much demand for these communities, both from residents who want to live in mobile home parks and don't have any vacancies to move into, and from investors who want to own manufactured housing communities and there's not enough inventory to buy. So there's a lot of demand, there's not enough supply. And so you're seeing investors like me going to build new manufactured housing communities for the first time in decades. And it's really exciting. So, you know, um, in Texas, I could probably point you to 40 or 50 new parks that are getting built. Wow. Um, we are building a new 250 unit community in Bozeman, Montana. Raw land, it's been farmed by the Dykstra family for the last hundred years. When I went out there to see it, you know, I found there, I was literally feeding hay to a horse. <laughs> um, 
And we're building, we're gonna build a brand new neighborhood to meet the intense need for affordable housing in Bozeman. Um, wow. So we're doing new development and it's exciting. I had no idea that new development was happening. I still thought there is the, um, I thought it was like the political stigma, like they didn't even, they kind of like outlawed new, new development, but that's cool that they're, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's like definitely a valuable service and um, really, really, uh, you know, affordable and like exciting way for people to, you know, have, have high quality housing. Um, so I guess kind of, are you having issues with getting new mobile home parks or like manufactured housing to the, to Montana? Like, is there a supply chain backups in, in that regard? Yeah. So in normal times, we'd order a home from the factory and we would, you'd be ready in two months. That was kind of normal. Um, nowadays it's 12 to 24 months. So there are major backlogs and that's because of supply chain issues, kind of, you know, getting all the components for the homes as well as labor shortages at the factory. Um, so those two things have put a kind of a, a damper on how much new supply we can build. Um, but it's okay. We're, 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 our whole strategy is long-term investing. We are buying and developing communities now that we want to hold for decades. And so if we're talking about a 50-year hold period, it doesn't make a big difference if we fill up the park in one year or two years or three years. At the end of the day, we're building a valuable asset that we're going to hold for decades. Well, it matters if you are taking on bridge loans. So I guess kind of what's your yes. capital stack? Yeah, that is a great point. So in the near term, it does matter depending on how you finance. And we have um, a number of Kind of specialized financing partners as we develop parks. Um, we have kind of specialized relationship lenders who will lend on raw land as we develop the parks. And we have another set of lenders who do what's called inventory finance, who finance the manufactured homes for us. Kind of like if you imagine if you're a car dealership and you had a line of credit to bring cars onto your dealership lot. So they never hit your, they're never on your books, right? They're never on your balance sheet. The cars are being financed until they're sold to the end customer. Um, so we have similar inventory lines of credit for us to bring the home inventory into our community. Right, yeah. And I guess that's uh, reliant on the, the demand where they kind of think it's gonna, you know, people are gonna buy them pretty soon after they're created. Is it? And it yeah, and they are. Right, yeah, wow. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, could you kind of like, I know it's probably come a long way where the secret's kind of out about mobile home parks, but to kind of, you know, give us a picture of the cap rate environment kind of compared to <laughs> multifamily. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because um, if any of your listeners think that mobile home parks are still an undiscovered niche asset class and you can buy them really cheap and get great returns, um, I am sorry to inform you that those days are over. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> um, the, the, the word has gotten out on how well these assets perform. Um, and I just want to, again, I always want to add in here, why do these assets perform so well? Because we provide a valuable service to society. I don't want people to think that we are, you know, um, landlords who are earning a financial return without delivering a valuable service. These assets perform well because we provide high quality affordable housing and our residents love it, which is why they pay rent, 
right? So for that reason, these assets perform well. And 30 years ago, when my grandfather got into it, it was a secret. And he was a car mechanic with grease all over his fingers. And he went and bought a trailer park and he did really well. But if you, you know, if he went to a cocktail party and said he did trailer parks, people would look at him like he smelled bad, right? right? Um, nowadays, think of any private equity shop or institutional investor, and they all want to buy mobile parks. Blackstone, Carlisle, KKR, Starwood, Prudential. Like I, you go down the list. And, uh, Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund, Singapore GIC. You can just go down the list. And like every major institutional player trying to buy parks. And there's very little supply. And as a result, returns are really compressed. Um, generally, I think you're not getting a, a yield premium buying mobile home parks versus buying multifamily. I mean, if you're buying class A parks in A markets, you know, mobile home parks are trading in the three cap range, sometimes even lower. A typical deal might be in the four cap range. Um, and, you know, if you're buying deep value-added stuff and tertiary markets and you're buying off market, maybe sometimes you're buying stuff in the fives or the sixes or the sevens, but it's, it's an anomaly. Right. Yeah. And then on the on the financing side, are are the interest rates comparable to multifamily at this point? Because I mean, if you think about the the risks, like you are mitigating a lot of the I guess the downside risk with the affordability of it and the you know the stability that's of the tenants. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yes, I think rates are on par. And both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac love lending on mobile home parks because they know that the risk for them as a lender is low. Right, these parks perform really well borrower default rates are really low. Um, and this is part of their mission-driven program, meaning that it's helping them serve their affordable housing mandate. So rates are really competitive. You know, we can get a, well, now, so in summer 2020, during COVID, you know, we locked in some Fannie and Freddie loans, 15 years fixed, five years of interest only on a 30-year amortization schedule at a sub 3% interest rate, like in the high twos. That's cheap money. Yeah. Generally, it's like it's in front of the past few years, that loan would have been in the fours. Yeah. And nowadays it's climbing, you know, hot to the high fours. Right. And you know, interest rates are clearly going up. That's what the Fed needs to do to help, you know, stop inflation. And so we're predicting rates will stabilize kind of in the in the fives to sixes over the next 12 months. Oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, seems like pretty comparable to, to uh, multifamily. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. So I guess um, I know that mobile home parks are rated on a star rating scale. So I wonder if you kind of illuminate us about that, that, uh, that scale and then kind that's of- a great yeah. question. So historically people talked about one star parks, two star parks, three, four, and five star parks. Um, I, have, I have switched. I like to talk about class A, class B, and class C, mm -hmm. right? To make it more- analogous to every other real estate asset class um, so people can wrap their heads around it because no one knows what does it mean if you say that's a two and a half star park okay. um, so i'd much rather say a b and c you know and an a park is something that is amenitized majority double wide instead of single wides you've got nicely paved roads um, you've got a leasing office on site with an on-site manager helping people you've got decent signage and the place looks good that's a class A community. You know, a class B community is kind of gonna be, uh, gonna be a more typical workforce community. Might be a mix of single wides and double wides. 
Um, it may or may not have any amenities. If it has amenities, they're probably simple, like a basketball court or a playground, not a pool and tennis courts. Um, and then you've got class C communities, which we own a bunch of, right? Which you might have gravel roads. You might have um, really old home manufactured homes in there, and you might have some RVs in there. Um, might have a real lack of rule enforcement. So you might have junk piled up on people's lawns. Um, and it might be on private utilities, like a well or a septic system. So that's kind of, that's why I think about the kind of the three categories of parks. Yeah, that's really helpful. So I know with, because um, we've painted a pretty good picture, now I want to know where's the opportunity or where, where, are you, where do you see the opportunity for an investor? So, yeah, so my answer is all of the above. Right. And in our current fund, we are investing up and down the risk and return spectrum within our asset class. So I think about risk and return as a spectrum, where at the bottom, lowest risk, lowest return, you have stabilized class A communities, mm -hmm. right? And then you climb towards kind of value add deals and some of the class B and C stuff, all the way up to development deals, right? Which is the highest risk and highest return. Um, and I wanna do all of them. We are asset class experts. We know how to operate all of those parks. And um, you get a nice juicy return on the development stuff and on the value add stuff, but if I were a sovereign wealth fund or a pension fund or an endowment, I would love to put my money into buying the stabilized class A parks. I mean, those things will, you can have, you know, COVID plus war in Ukraine, plus major inflation, plus a recession, and those things will continue to cash flow and residents will be very happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think this is a, I think you got like a really, really good picture of, of the mobile home parks. I think that, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else. I bet there's a lot more to know, but I think it's a really good start. So um, are you ready? We covered it all. You, you really nothing did. else to talk about, man. You, you got it. In 40 minutes, we have covered mobile home parks, and your listeners will be experts. Awesome. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I'm sure they'll be happy about it. <laughs> all right. So you ready for the lightning round? Ooh, lightning round. Okay. I didn't know that was coming. Sure. I'm ready. Ready as I'll ever be. Sweet. Yeah, it's a surprise lightning round. But um, I, <laughs> sweet. So, what superpower would you want if you could choose any superpower? Flight. Flight. That's the most common one in real estate for sure, because you can check the roofs, make sure there's no damage. <laughs> um, check the roofs and get around to your different destinations quickly. Yeah. That we invest all over the country. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I got super speed for that. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, what's your favorite book, or what's the one that's helped you the most? I loved War and Peace. I'm a big Tolstoy fan. Um, I read a book about spearfishing last year, which I loved. It's all about how do you hold your breath and meditate and go deep. There's actually a book called Deep by James Nestor, which I really liked. I can say Deep by James Nestor. It's like, it's, it might not be a huge classic, um, but it's all about people who push the limits of their mind and bodies to swim to the depths of the ocean. And it really moved me. Yeah, that's awesome. I love a, a, a new, a fresh fresh title that we haven't heard. So that's awesome. Um, so what motivates you to continue every day? I want to serve other people and I want to serve God. Actually, I'm a religious person and I want to do my best on this earth to try and create peace between people and try and create better lives for a lot of people. That's what motivates me. And I'm actually like, probably not your typical real estate person. I'm not very money driven. I feel like you do, you build a good business, the money will come. I'm not totally. trying to do this in order to chase money. 
not really what motivates me. Yeah, I think uh, money follows value. And um, I definitely have that same mindset. Awesome. So what would you advise, or sorry, what would your advice be for someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? So no one should follow my footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but uh, really, if you're interested in real estate, you want to start investing in mobile and parks or anything else, I always say, go do a deal. Boom. That's my advice. You want to do deals? You got to go do a deal. And don't wait. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't wait for the perfect deal. Just go find a deal. It can be tiny. Figure it out. Raise the money. Do the deal. If you don't have any money, don't complain. Go find the money. If it's a good deal, you can find the money. Do the deal. Gotcha. That's good advice. So uh, since I put you on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So uh, feel free to ask me anything you want to uh, you want to know about me. What is the best thing you've learned by interviewing a podcast guest? Yeah, this is a good revenge. <laughs> um, wow, it's so it's so amazing because I'm saying that like. It's, I learned so much about like so many different things and it's like how I, I can't even say that like some of the more tangible like facts that I've learned like how they even compare to like the advice that I've gotten from some like amazing people um I guess I was I could summarize it I could summarize the 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 sum of of what I've received which is um like it's pretty much educate yourself and and network where it's just like, obviously that was kind of the point of the podcast in the first place. So definitely got that, but um, it's definitely cool to like hear all the stories where like a lot, like everyone can kind of attribute their success to like the people that they've built real relationships with in this business. And then the, you know, them being curious people and driven to learn and just, um, you know, constantly absorbing as much information as possible. And like, I mean, those things have driven me and I guess driven me to start a podcast in the first place but it's cool to see that like those are the things that have driven all the successful people that I've um interviewed and that you know it's I guess it's, it's nice to get that that reassurance cool yeah right on. awesome so do you have any uh final remarks for the audience and um if is there a way for people to find you if they want to learn more about what you do yeah check out threepillarcommunities.com Three is spelled out, T-H-R-E-E, pillarcommunities.com. We got all sorts of videos, educational content, um, articles that I've written about investing in mobile home parks. Um, so yeah, check it out. You can also join our mailing list there if you want to follow what we're doing and see our new investment opportunities. Awesome. I'll definitely do that. And I recommend anyone else do that as well. So Daniel, thank you very much for coming on the show. I've learned a lot and I'm sure everyone here is super excited to be an expert in mobile home parks now and um, keep making milestones. Thank you so much.